you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K Basic.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge. DJ Bucky back with you here. And uh, Buck, man, we've got a fun show today. We're going to get a chance to visit with David Cutcliffe, uh, one of the premier sources when it comes to the quarterback position, the Duke head football coach, who's coached Peyton Eli, as well as Daniel Jones, going to get a chance to visit with him. But man, we have got to start with what's going on in Seattle. How you doing, bud? Man, I'm doing great. But this Russell Wilson Seahawks uh, rift is really escalated this offseason. And it was fully encapsulated and broken down in an article that appeared in The Athletic and DJ. Man, we just have to talk about some of the explosive content that came out of that article. Yeah, it was a really a great piece of reporting there uh, by a trio of writers. Now, Sando was one of them who who was really dialed in uh, with that team. And man, let, let's just kind of go through it a little bit here. It just talks about kind of how there's this been this growing divide between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And the best way I would describe it, and how it's described in this in this piece, really is Pete Carroll's belief in a philosophy of of running the football, playing great defense, and and believing in that formula. And Russell Wilson's belief in himself 
and wanting more responsibility, not just in terms of putting the ball in his hands on the field, but having more of a say-so in personnel decisions and coaching moves and the direction of the franchise. Um, man, it was, uh, it was something that it sounded like as things started to get a little bit rocky uh, this year, it sounds like it might be as bad as it's ever been. Yeah, DJ, I think it is as bad as it's ever been, and I do believe it comes down to that. Pete Carroll has won a bunch of games with a strict philosophy. He believes in running the football, playing great defense. He wants to minimize turnovers and really make the game all about the ball. Russell Wilson is a quarterback who believes he's a playmaker. He wants to see himself in the same category as Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and those other great quarterbacks. And so you have a guy that wants to play one way and a coach who wants to play another way because he knows his way has led to a lot of success and championships. And so I don't know how this ends up, but it's very, very messy right now. Now, there's a lot of other different things to get into here. One of the things I thought was fascinating is it talked about Russell wanting to be kind of in that conversation with some of the greats. And it talked about two in particular, Tom Brady, who's been associated with winning, right? All the Super Bowls. So you've got that, that kind of legacy that he's chasing. And it looked like he was kind of on, on track to be kind of that winner, right? He's in a couple Super Bowls, wins one early, should have won another one against Tom, um, but hasn't been able to get back there. Then the other name was Breeze because of all the stats that Drew's been able to compile over such a long career. So he hasn't been able to quite get the numbers of Breeze. He hasn't been able to quite get all the championships he would seek to be known as kind of the winner like Brady. And it feels like those two things are the difference in those philosophies because Brady won several of those championships because they had great defense, because they could run the ball, and because he protected it. And Breeze put up all those stats because they put the ball in his hands. It almost seems like they're stuck kind of in no man's land in the middle between these two things. Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting about it all because Tom Brady is recognized as the GOAT because he's the ultimate winner, not because he has the most stats or because he has the the glossiest resume when it comes to an individual playing standpoint, whereas Drew Brees is celebrated as a gold jacket guy because, look, he does have a ton of 5,000-yard seasons, but he doesn't have the wins of Tom Brady. And so ultimately, Russell Wilson has to decide, what do you want to be known as, the winner or the guy that has the big numbers? Because you can't have both based on the way that you have to play to attain those levels of success. And I want to get a little bit to it on the on the Seahawks side of things because I think there's blame you could cast on both sides, on Wilson's side as well as on the Seahawks. To me, in order to play in the style and, and in the philosophy that Pete Carroll wants to play, great defense, run the football, uh, to me, building a really good offensive line is, is a key part of that, being able to run the ball um, and be able to have that kind of physical identity. I think they've lost a little bit of their identity and it's not necessarily for a lack of trying in terms of the resources. I know you can get into that and some of the resources they've put on that offensive line, but they haven't been good. They haven't been good mm -hmm. up front. I know you can put some sacks on Russell, but I'm not even talking about the passing game. I'm talking about being able to move people in the run game and establish a physical identity. They haven't been able to do that. And I've, I've said on here, we've talked about it forever. It's hard to find a great team with a bad offensive line. It's tough to do, man. Um, and, and to me, it's also when you have a great offensive line, it's hard to be a bad team. So to me, I think fixing that, and I think Russell has, man, he, 
he didn't go out there. He doesn't just flippantly throw things out. You know it was calculated when he goes on national media shows mm-hmm. and talks about them upgrading the offensive line. There's a source of frustration there. So I, I do give the organization a little bit of blame there. Again, not for lack of effort, but the offensive line hasn't been very good. No, look, since they had that Wonderkin draft where they were able to draft all of the defensive personnel, they haven't necessarily knocked it out the park when it comes to drafting and drafting in the early rounds. But I will say this when it comes to building out this team and, and what Russell wants. Like, it is very, very hard at times to pay quarterback top-of-the-market money and have all of the other pieces around it. And so if you're really committed to doing that, then everybody has to kind of work and be on the same page when it comes to that. So maybe, like Tom Brady, maybe I don't take top-of-the-market deals so I can ensure that maybe I can have some of the other things that I need to win. Some of that is defensive personnel. Some of that is the offensive line. For the team, A. Russ, we certainly want you to be recognized as one of the top players. We'll let you throw it around the yard, but when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, when we get down to the playoffs, we're going to play the way that we need to play to win the game because that's also what we've seen the Patriots do when they had Tom Brady. Tom Brady may throw the ball all over the yard, but when it came to December and January, they played a certain style of football that you can close your eyes and say, oh, this looks like 1970s football. And so Russ has to figure out what does he want to be known as? What is his legacy? To be the winner or to be the guy that stuffs stats? Yeah, and, you know, Buck, when you, when you go back to kind of how you build the team around a quarterback who gets that big second contract and is, is, is carrying a high cap figure, you know, we talk about the fact that, man, there's more pressure on you in the draft to get it right because players are going to leave. You're not going to be able to keep everybody there. It's going to cost you some players when you're paying your quarterback that much money. All the more emphasis on being able to hit in the draft. We've talked about it with the Rams, right? They, they've paid their stars. Um, they've got rid of a bunch of first-round picks. A lot of pressure on those guys, Les Needham Company, to be able to hit and continually hit on these players second, third, fourth, fifth round uh, to be able to have some cheaper starters that can play at a high level. And I think with the Seahawks, when you look at them going forward, yeah, they want to address the offensive line. They've got no first-round pick this year. They've got no first-round pick next year. So if we're saying, okay, Russell might be trying to maneuver his way out of Seattle, maybe he peers out into the future and says, man, I don't know if this thing's going to get better here. Um, and, cry, and try and just drum up a narrative that makes it, it, it you know, easily understandable why you're trying to, to leave. And he doesn't do it. I, again, I, he's calculated, man. He don't go out, you don't go out there and say things in the public like he said without me beginning to think, okay, he might not be doing it um, – as Deshaun Watson has done it to overtly come out and say, I'm not playing here. But it seems clear to me that I, I think he wants to get out of there. Yeah, look, he, he may want to get out of there. But here's what's very interesting. The offensive coordinator bringing in Shane Waldron comes from the L.A. Rams. We've talked about the L.A. Rams system, which is an extension of the Shanahan system. I think it's a win-win for both parties. I think for Pete Carroll, it puts Russell Wilson in a structured offense that doesn't necessarily make the team rely so much on his individual playmaking ability. It's systematic. It creates open opportunities for the wide receivers. It should upgrade and enhance the running game, which is when Russell plays his best, when he's able to run the ball, throw off play action, and do some of those things. For Russell Wilson, the system gives him some comfort because there should be more consistency in terms of their ability to push the ball down the field, the home run shots, because I believe he's better as a vertical thrower than a rhythm passer. And so I think this certainly helps. I just don't understand now why Russ is so 
open in terms of voicing his displeasure. I do know that the money is coming due and maybe Russ wants a little more money, but this is as messy as we've seen in the Pacific Northwest. And you can already see that the 12s are lining up behind their, their favorite ones. Some are with coach Carroll. Others are with Russell Wilson. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Real quick, before we move on here, is there a team, if you're going to look at, uh, you know, potential landing spot, if, you know, who knows if this will happen, but if, if somehow they did come to the conclusion that they wanted to, to move away from one another here, what team would make sense? Well, I mean, I think for Russell, I think maybe the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, just because John Gruden um, loves his game, would put a running game around him. He does a really good job of doing those things. The only thing that I wonder, I don't know if their defense is good enough to supplant uh, what is building in the AFC West first with the Kansas City Chiefs, and then when you look at the L.A. Chargers. I think that would make a lot of sense. Outside of that, I mean, maybe New Orleans, but there are not a lot of options because if he goes to a team that is worse, are we confident that Russ can put a lesser team on his back and have better results than the results he's having in Seattle? Yeah, it's tricky to me because I think when you look at the teams picking high, um, I think they're with this being a pretty good quarterback draft, I think they're going to lean more towards you know, even though Russell's a fantastic player, looking for somebody that can be their guy for the next 10 to 15 years. I don't see those teams up there. I'm talking about the Jets and the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. I don't see that happening. And then if you're the Seahawks, I mean, yeah, I mean, he might be a great fit with the Raiders and, and the Saints, but you can't give me a pick that can get me a replacement. Like, who? I got to trot somebody out there to play quarterback. I'm getting rid of a top five type quarterback in Russell Wilson, and you can't offer me a pick where I can get my next guy. So I don't know. There's not an easy trade partner out there if this did come to that. No, there's not one. So there'd naturally be some conversation. Well, what about Houston? What about Deshaun Watson for Russell Wilson? But I don't know if both parties have enough capital to pull that off. If you're the Houston Texans, I mean, you would certainly want some more compensation to come with 20, Russell You're trading Wilson. a 25-year-old quarterback. I know. I mean, to come back for Deshaun Watson, like – I. I mean, I don't know. I think it's pie-in-the-sky stuff. And I understand that Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause. So where would Russ deem to be the best place for him? There are only a handful of teams in this league that are ready to go and ready to go win. I don't know if those teams also have a quarterback need. The interesting thing, you you said the Raiders real quick, is that I can make a case that Derek Carr kind of plays the game the way Pete Carroll wants to play the game. You talk about being able to protect the football, make good decisions. Uh, don't put your defense in a bad spot. That's kind of how Derek Carr plays. I mean, DJ, you, you win a ton of games like that. I mean, we can say a lot of things about Pete Carroll, and I know people say, oh, but he didn't win before Russ. But, like, let's, let's look at this because it's a mutual – I mean, it's a deal where they've been mutually beneficial in terms of style of play and what they built and those things. As long as you don't turn it over, you're going to win nine or ten games. Then it's on the quarterback to get you over the top. I think the Seahawks' frustration stems from the fact that since they've really entrusted the team to Russell Wilson and paid him the big money, they haven't been back to a Super Bowl. They haven't been to a title game. They haven't won at the highest level. Um, yep. What is the goal? The goal is to win it all, and they certainly haven't done that since Russell Wilson has become the ultimate playmaker for them. Yeah, it is a really interesting story, something to keep an eye on. Now, one thing uh, we do know, if Russell Wilson does stay in Seattle, he's got some good wide receivers to throw the ball to when you look at Lockett, obviously, with DK Metcalf. Now it's time for Be Prepared, presented by Castro Edge. 
Well, the 2020 football season did not go the way Duke and their head coach, David Cutcliffe, would have liked, but you will not find a more respected coach in all of football. Obviously, you know he coached Peyton Manning, he coached Eli Manning, he coached Daniel Jones. He's one of the brightest minds in the sport, and we had a chance to catch up with Coach Cutcliffe about one of the more intriguing prospects and, quite simply, the best prospect in the upcoming draft. All right, Buck, excited to welcome to the show uh, one of the most respected men in the sport of football, regardless of level. It is uh, Duke head coach David Cutcliffe joining us. And, Coach, it's, it's great to see you again. We appreciate your time. I guess uh, since the last time we had a chance to visit down there at Daniel Jones uh, Pro Day, a lot's changed, including Eli Manning's retirement. So before you know, we get into talking about some of these quarterbacks and some guys you've got coming out of Duke this year, my question is simply, did, did Eli ever uh, change your phone to a different language like he's done to so many other people? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, think about this. I have had Eli and Peyton at the same time during their pro careers, and they come in plan. And that is, I can't even mention the things on air. The phone language was easy. The rest of it got complicated. <laughs> Coach, you're just coming out of really what is an unprecedented time in college football with the pandemic and all of the social unrest. What was it like coaching your team doing, I guess, a very tumultuous preseason and season? We we had an exceptionally difficult circumstance here because our guys weren't allowed back to campus. We had 140 days in a row without a organized workout. So, um, probably without question the most difficult thing our freshmen came in i mean literally july 18th was our first opportunity to work and we were opening with notre dame and uh, I, I think just the entirety of the stress the entirety of the injuries because we really weren't quite ready to start uh as we normally would be as far as strength and conditioning uh, most difficult thing i've ever done in 46 years of coaching yeah, that's saying something there, Coach. Uh, is there is there uh, anything that you took out of this year from a positive standpoint in terms of you know maybe some of the technology that, that was incorporated this year or any other uh, practices that were uh, introduced this year that you can carry forward? Yeah, there's no question that a lot of us, particularly guys like me that have been in it a long time, we think it's all cookie-cutter practice schedules and this is how you get a team ready and you're 29 – opportunities well we had to adjust we learned a lot uh we learned a lot as the season went along even the things you know a lot of people want do-overs and I, I tell our coaches and players all the time it's what i love about football there is no such thing you use those opportunities when things i, I made some bad decisions but i know now why i made them and i won't make them again um, so there are so many parts of this. And then I, I think the reality of relationships have always been there. But this this pandemic um, and the circumstances surrounding it made player coach relationships more important than ever. And I don't ever want to see that change. And uh, we, we really had a chance to spend a lot of time around each other and get really close. You know, coach, in, in thinking about that, because. 
recruiting is the lifeline to building a successful program. How did you deal with the recruiting changes? Because you weren't able to get as much face-to-face time when it comes to bringing in new guys into your program. Yeah, and that's a continuation. The class that we just signed, we had seen them in person some. Um, but by the time we hit March, those guys never got to have an official visit. They never had their parents come with them to, to campus and spend time with us uh, together. Uh, it, it's really awkward. And then now with the class of 2022, we've had no in-person evaluations. And as much as you want to try to study tape, the opportunity to see a player between plays, to see a player on the sideline, uh, to learn a little bit more about their character and their competitiveness is very difficult. In a program like ours, we depend upon all of those other traits, not just talent. And that's been the most difficult thing for us. It's going well. We've used technology. I tell people all the time, I fly Zoom airlines everywhere. Uh, I'm in living rooms all over the country now. Uh, So we're going to utilize that moving forward. But we're better when we're person to person and face to face. And uh, I do miss that. And I really miss the evaluation time. Coach, I want to touch on that because we're doing the same thing from the evaluation stuff, trying to get ready to figure these guys out as they go towards the NFL draft. We did it as scouts. We kind of do it on the media side. And I can remember, I I won't out the quarterback, but I... As you can imagine, you always want to see those quarterbacks live. And there was a quarterback ended up going in the first round. I went to his bowl game. I didn't wear any NFL stuff. And I, I went down there as close to the fence as I could down there by the field. And I just tried to mirror him and follow him around on the sideline. And he didn't have a particularly great game. And if something would go bad, he would come off the sideline. He would be by himself. He was interacting with the, with his coaches, teammates, linemen. It just, it just seemed like a loner. It rubbed me the wrong way. And kind of led me to, you know, to kind of ding him in the evaluation process. Have there been instances like that for you uh, when you get out to see these kids where no matter what you might see on the on the game tape, that something could, you know, turn you either up or down on a guy? Absolutely. For years and years and years. And that is the best measure. And I've always when when, when we're hiring young coaches. When you go evaluate someone, evaluate them. I want a sheet that talks about everything they did. Um, You can see it as often on the sideline as you can in person. It's great to evaluate a quarterback in person just to see the ball spin and look at their hand speed. It's different than what it is on tape, but that's just a small part of the story. Um, People ask me all the time, what what are one of the things that a quarterback has to be and he's got to be a person that makes everyone around them him better and that's an all the time job um you know i've I've been reading where all these bucks are making these comments about tom brady you know after the super bowl and every one of them are talking about circumstances that had nothing to do with being on even the practice field it was either locker room or talks or just his way of doing things and um when you miss that, it's easy to miss on at any position, offensive lineman, D lineman included. And, you know, watching a secondary guy, the same thing. I want to see what he looks like after he gets beat. Um, if he's defeated there, then I don't want him, and I've turned him down. I don't. I don't I'm not a. I don't like dirt kickers, and I don't like hang head hangers. 
and a dirt kicker is that kid in baseball that can't throw a strike. And every time he gets the ball back, he kicks the mound, you know, like it's the mound's fault. So you, you got to look for those things. You know, Coach, it's interesting because you're talking about quarterbacks, and I'm fascinated by quarterbacks. And are you of the belief that your quarterback needs to be a gym rat, that he needs to be one of the hardest, if not the hardest workers on the team? And why would that be important? Well, I think it's an absolute. Um, that's part of being a guy that makes everyone around you better. Um, when they know you're in early and you stay late, uh, they're going to they're going to respect you more, but they're going to listen to you much, much more intently. Uh, you, you're going when you gain that respect. I've had quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, say, "Well, you know, nobody has any confidence in me," and I said, "Well, that's not handed. That's earned." And that's a big part of that. And that work ethic has separated many. Is never going to make. There are a lot of talented people, and that's not going to make somebody a goat. Uh, it's going to be all the other intangibles that go with it. Uh, I, I love when I start hearing people talking about, you know, arm strength and this, and and you know, that's way overrated when a guy's not prepared. Um, and knowing how to use his arm and when to use touch. And there's so much. It's one of my passions. And, you know, you mentioned Daniel Jones early. You know, he got missed by a whole lot of folks in high school. And thank goodness his high school coach sent me senior tape. The difference in him, I had seen him as a sophomore and kind of had written him off. But as a senior, he did every little thing right. Um, and I immediately called his head high school coach and said, don't send that tape to anybody else, please. <laughs> we want him big time. Coach, I'm curious, you know, having spent so much time around Peyton and Eli and not only the success, but the sustained success. I mean, that, that to me is more rare. We see guys do it for a year here or there, but to sustain success, what would you attribute that to? I think that the guys that are long-termers in that league, um, I, I, and this is another evaluation for me, I want to know how much they love football. If you start playing the game for money, money will not love you back. And that's a bad relationship, and it usually ends in a wreck. And we've seen that, and I don't know why people don't figure that out much more quickly. The guys that have a love for the game – are doing it for the right reasons. Uh, it's not just winning. It's a respect for the game, knowing the more you put into it, the more effort that goes into what you're doing day after day starts becoming who you are. And so in year 14 and 15 for the guys that I've coached, um, I, I see a, an increased intensity, an increased expectation of everyone around them. And that's not going to happen at that stage because the, the money is, you know, is, is done. Um, but I see a lot of young players that want to display the fact that they've got money more than they want to display the fact that they're incredibly in love with football and have this amazing work ethic. And uh, I found that interesting through the years. You know, Coach, you've been a lot of, around a lot of great quarterbacks, and it seems like we're having an evolution at the position, that we're seeing more athletic playmakers at the position than just your statuesque pocket passer. When you're looking at quarterbacks, how much does the athleticism 
factor into the evaluation process? Well, it's becoming more and more important to, to me personally. First of all, it fits what we have to do to be successful here. That's part of an evaluation. But I will tell you this, and I had far too much time to sit at home and watch football when you don't play in a bowl game, and I was miserable. So I watched it closely, and then I was able to watch the playoffs, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's an interesting study to see how many first downs are made on third down off of scrambles, scramble runs and Mm. scramble throws. And that has become quite evident at every level. I felt like I told our staff all season, that's a bigger deal. And, And one of the things that occurs with an athletic quarterback, the most difficult thing to practice isn't tackling, it's sacking a quarterback. That's something that in college, we don't get a preseason game. You never do until a game. You're not going to hit your quarterbacks or have your quarterbacks hit in a scrimmage. Working on ways right now to find ways to finish sacks. Um, as long as people are average at that and don't have the quality of athlete to finish a pass rush and finish a sack, um, then those quarterbacks become more and more important. And when you get out of that pocket, and I'm I'm watching, you know, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and these guys that, I mean, they know what to expect from each other. And I think it's become an extreme weapon in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, when we played him at Louisville, I didn't want him to go anywhere. I wanted him to stay in the pocket. And uh, it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, what we tried to do to Lamar Jackson was actually we just shortened the game. I tried to burn every second on offense and <laughs> do everything I could to make uh, them mad. So when they substituted, I would wait the last second and sub a D lineman because we had no answer for that type of athletic quarterback. And you know what? I don't see many NFL teams have an answer for him either. No, they don't, Coach. They have not had an answer for him through his, through his uh, young NFL career. You mentioned the ability to finish uh, as a sack artist. That's something I want to talk about one of your guys here, Chris Rumpf. Uh, obviously, the genes are good. We know about his dad. Um, but when you when you recruit him, uh, when you're developing him, I know he's still lean, Coach. Um, but how did you know you had a, somebody with a natural feel and that ability to finish? You, you saw it on film. And let's go back to the love of the game. Uh, his dad loves the game. His mom loves the game. Chris loves the game, uh, played it with passion. I, I tell him, you know, I mess with him sometimes. I used to tell him, you can turn 220 into 180 in a heartbeat. That means get through a crack. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> how he gets on the edges. He would say, I'm not 220, I'm 230. Okay, sorry. Uh, you know, but he's got a great lower body. He's got amazing athleticism with his hands. Um, You haven't seen the best with age and strength, which it comes natural. He's going to be a great pass rusher in in that league. And if you looked at really the outcome, even of the Super Bowl, the ability of the pass rush for the Bucs changed that game as much as anything else. And so I think Chris Rump is what people are looking for. He's long. Uh, he can stand up and play outside linebacker. He can actually play inside linebacker. He's a great blitzer in that regard. He's got a unique savvy for the game. Uh, he can time cadence very well from a linebacker position. He, you know, he's just he's just really sharp. And so I, it's going to be fun to watch Chris progress 
as a professional football player. You know, Coach, as an old scout, one of the things that we would always do when we had a chance to talk to the head coach is ask him, and I'm going to ask you, Coach, who is the guy that the NFL is missing on in this class? Who's the guy that you expect that I'll come back in four years and say, Coach, why didn't you tell me this guy was going to be a pretty good player at the next level? We've got seven guys that are going to go through uh, the, um, the pro day. Um, and I don't really want to make any of them angry by picking one. I think we, we have sleepers throughout. But I will say this. If you'll take a look at Noah Gray, and some people are starting to figure it out. Um, when I look at a tight end, I want to know if he has the ability to be an option route runner and defeat man coverage. The matchups are going to favor him. He's got incredible short space quickness. He's got a brilliant mind and a savvy for the game. He played quarterback, much like Travis Kelsey. Uh, I had Travis Kelsey in camp as a quarterback. He certainly wasn't a quarterback, but he was dang sure a great athlete and competitor. And we see what's happened. But Noah in zone coverage is going to find soft spots. He's going to set uh, safeties up and linebackers up. And uh, I just think he's far better than people realize. Uh, and he's going to be a productive part of, of anybody's offense. And so uh, Michael uh, Carter is another guy that may be on the lower end of the spectrum by some. That guy can play anything. I mean, he can play nickel. He can play safety. He can play corner. He is a tremendous competitor. And he finds a way to win. And that's what you want in the secondary. So he may be one of those guys also. Coach, that's, that's helpful. I'm, I'm going to get to all seven of these guys. I've got Rumpf done. Um, I like Gray, the tight end. I'm excited to watch the rest of your guys here as we get towards uh, the draft. I, I do want to ask you about somebody that you had a chance to, to coach against. I know somebody that you had on campus as well. You've known for, for a long time, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Um, we all assume he's going to be the first pick here to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But what, what was your first exposure to him, and uh, what was your takeaway? Well, I mean <laughs> – First of all, he's bigger than you think he is. Uh, he is faster than you think he is, okay? Uh, I know his high school coach well. He was well coached and trained in high school, but the things that his high school coach said about him as a person, as a teammate, uh, I think he's displayed at Clemson that he's a great teammate, which is extremely important, probably the greatest compliment an athlete can get is being a great teammate. And uh, so I do think he's humble, hardworking. Um, you know, where he is in his progression uh, as a quarterback, I wouldn't know as much about, but he does possess uh, the skill level. And really, again, going back to having great respect for his high school coach and remembering everything he said about Trevor makes you realize that he, he's got the intangibles uh, as well. You know, Coach, it's great to hear you talk about that. I, w one more perspective on Trevor. Being on the opposite sideline, when you face a guy like Trevor Lawrence, w what do you feel like facing a guy like that? What's, what's the challenge when you face someone who's as talented and dynamic as a Trevor Lawrence? Well, I mean, we didn't really have an answer, to be honest with you. The challenges are is that he is big enough and he can be pure in that pocket. He can do what the guys I've coached before can do. Uh, and then he can create. So, like, we played against Johnny Manziel in his last game at Texas A&M. He's a good arm. 
Uh, we all know the mobility was incredible, but you knew he wasn't going to just stay in the pocket and throw it the way Trevor can. Trevor can throw out routes on time. He can throw digs on time. Um, you know, and that that's really, to me, what you've got to see is, and, and he's certainly the, the body type, you know, to do that. And I think that's the uniqueness when we didn't have an answer. I mean, if you just try to keep him in the pocket, rush high, he's going to be successful in there. Uh, you, you can't even not rush him and try to jump and bat balls because he's a good size guy. So we struggled. Again, best thing you can do is limit the number of snaps they get somehow, some way. That's the best way against those people. Coach, you've been generous with your time. I'm not going to keep you much longer, but something we've talked about a lot on, on our show and kind of following the trends of where the game was headed, we, we talk about positionless football uh, really on both sides uh, of the line of scrimmage, having guys that can just do so many different things. That We've got a guy in this draft, a tight end out of Florida, Kyle Pitts, who I think he might, if you're just going to grade the X receivers in this draft, he might be the you know second or third best wide out. But now he's, he's six foot six, 240 pounds. To have somebody like that with that type of versatility with where the game is going, Coach, how much, how much value is there? Uh, I'm going to answer it with this way. We were talking about Zion off the air, okay? And I would always get asked, where would you play Zion if, if you uh, had him in football? And, you know, it would be one of two places, and you just said it both sides of the ball. It would be tight end or some kind of hybrid edge rusher. Um, so when you've got a guy like Pitts, and I've watched Florida, and I'm friends with Dan, um, I don't think you have a – I mean, you, it's a matchup nightmare, and he can play outside. And he's going to issue, issue many problems to corners just from a size mismatch. And, mismatch. and when you go inside, um, I mean, his athleticism, his length is going to create all kinds of problems. I'm liking that guy vertical in any form or fashion, in, whether it's out of a slot or whether it's off the line of scrimmage. Because as we all know, the vertical passing games changed because he can – leave their feet to hit them used to be a dangerous route not so dangerous anymore and when these guys figure that out they can make a living going down the field coach it's been it's been such a treat to sit here and talk with you i've got 900 other questions that i've got in my head but uh we're gonna let you scoot today we we thank you so much we value uh your time and uh it's really been great to hear from you today well i enjoy you guys and you know come see us when this pandemic's over uh, we'd love to see you anytime. Take good care. That was Be Prepared, presented by Castrol Edge. Well, Buck, it's been a fun show today. Enjoyed, especially getting a chance to visit with David Cutcliffe, who when it comes to quarterbacks, uh, he's as respected as there is. And, man, I took a page full of notes just in that conversation. Yeah, one of the best in the business. What he's been able to do with quarterbacks over his time in the college football ranks is remarkable. I think he still drops some nuggets that are gold when it comes to looking at quarterbacks, evaluating quarterbacks, and developing quarterbacks. Well, the NFL offseason is cranking. We've already seen some quarterback movement. We've got free agency right on the horizon. We're going to see a lot of shakeup when that takes place. And then that's going to get us to these pro days, which we're going to have covered for you here on NFL Network. Uh, so hang with us for those. And uh, appreciate you guys hanging with us. Uh, we will catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks presented by Castro Edge.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.